Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Andrew Hale. You may have noticed a different fellow up here. He's been here a couple weeks ago. This is Pastor Dwight Elliott, and so he and I are going to do a tag team tandem approach to this morning. So be ready. We might pivot on you. We might juke you out a little bit, um, but it's going to be it's going to be good. Um, one thing I did want to make sure I shared that was asked um, in a little bit of a different spirit. Uh, Sherry Smith, if you knew Sherry, um, she is Mike Davis's sister, and she just passed away here in the last few days. Um, and so Mike and Nancy, not only as, as Nancy said it, they were family, but they were best friends for the last 60 years. And so um, as she's been going through some, some different medical issues and, and hangups, um, while those are taken care of now and that she is with Jesus, it's still a painful time for them. So mindful of their family. Um, yeah, so what's good to see Emma in the house. Glad to have you. What's your shirt say, Mom? Mom life, yep, absolutely. Um, Coach Hendrickson in the house, glad to have you, sir. Um, Caudell family, just good to be with y'all here on this last day of the year. Um, well, hey, as we tag team again, we, might, we've, we haven't really practiced our, our juke moves or our pivots, but we'll work on those. And as we are tag teaming today, where we're looking at is actually looking back. It's going to be a New Year's message of what do we do with what has been, where are we at now, and then what do we do as we look ahead. So as I spent some time working through this and spending time with my family the last few days, my parents both drive school buses, and so I was thinking about school bus stories and time spent on the big yellow machine. And so there was a time in elementary school, I was riding Mrs. Lewis's school bus. It was bus number three. And it was often practiced among school buses that you find your routes in such a way that you don't have to back up when you've got students on the school bus. But just in how these things were flowing with the neighborhood we were going through, there was always this space where she had to pull in, drop off a kid, back up, and then go back out the other way. And it came upon several students. They thought it would be a good idea as she is beep, 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 dog. And it was so funny. <laughs> and for her, so scary. Because she didn't know what was going on. She just heard dogs. She stopped, slam on the brakes, right? Stuff's falling to the floor. And kids are just thinking it's hysterical. And Mrs. Lewis was uh, not the softest or gentlest lady to begin with. <laughs> she would be on the microphone quite often on us anyway. But she uh, stopped the bus, undid her seatbelt, and walked to the back to let these students know that this was not. Okay. It could have been, you know, what happens the next time? And I don't stop. <laughs> uh, maybe you should. Um, <laughs> but, right, so that behavior was not to continue. But even just think, like, she was doing her best. She's got mirrors, which I joined the school bus family this year. I got to drive the minibus for Madison Grant with the seventh grade boys basketball team. So it's in my blood. I'm just part, I'm actually third generation bus driver now. But there's so many different ways to look back, and yet, what if we fail to look back? What if we have folks that are supposed to help us look for what's behind us or what's coming in life, and now we can't? We can't trust them because they have misplaced that trust. 
And even as we think about, okay, looking back, but so often, what if we just didn't do that? We just looked ahead. As humans, it can be helpful to just look ahead. We can be excited. You know, this is a new year. Today's the last day. 2023 is over. 2024, it's going to be different, right? It's going to be a new year. There's so many more opportunities, and we're going to be looking ahead. I've got a new vision for what this year is going to be, new ideas for my business, new possibilities with family. There's healing that's taking place. What do we do as we look ahead? Our church is growing. There's personal health that's improving, that there, things are just going to be different this year. You know, even thinking about if we come to God with that expectation, we do that with people, right? I'm going to go to this concert, and it's going to be amazing, and I hope to be moved by the music. Or I go to this comedian because I want to laugh and I want to have fun. I want to be moved by that person. What if we approach God in that same thought of I want to be moved by him? And that doesn't mean it has to be on a Sunday morning, but what is it that it looks like to pursue him? Psalm 77, 11 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. And as we remember what he has done, do we believe that he is good? Do we believe that he is faithful? Or are we willing to forget about what he has done in the pursuit of this moment? God, I don't see you in this. And so I'm going to say, just forget you. But if we do believe that he is good... Can we then have the sense of I know what I am about because I know who I am about. And who I am about says this in Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be of the world. Do not be like the world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. To be changed. That your mind would be renewed by things. Whether it's through scripture or song. Or maybe it's going to be about that next musician or it's going to be about that next thing what is renewing your mind it's always happening it's not changing your mind it's renewing that by testing that you figure it out that you may discern they may decide what is the will of God and if that will is supposed to be it says it's supposed to be good and acceptable and perfect but God I'm really not seeing that right now if you really look at this last year God where in the world was this good it's not really acceptable in fact it was quite imperfect so what do we do with that? We can forget about it. We can say, forget what's behind. Let's just move on, right? We just look ahead. It's going to be a different year, and I'm going to keep going back to that. It's going to be a different year, right? It just has to be. It's, it can't be like what this year has been. And we can charge ahead, and we can have the excitement stirring in us, and there's something in me that's just saying, i got to be different. i got to make a change. I'm just going to make different moves in life. I'm just going to choose to act differently. My behavior is going to be this. My business decisions are just going to be that much better. That the God's, I've just struggled through this time after time, and we keep having this problem and this trouble and this struggle. God, this has to be different this time. And I think if we don't look back, damage can be done. Crashing can occur. This last summer, we went camping, and we have a pop-up camper that we pulled behind our SUV. And we got to our campsite. It was one of those kind of pull-through spots, got it where we wanted, unhitched. And I pulled forward and pulled around to get, to get out of there so I could pull it back where we could use the vehicle another way. And Jessica's smiling at this story. <laughs> and so I, you know, as I pull forward, I, I turn to the right, I kind of glance in the mirrors, and I usually have the sense and belief that I like, if I'm sitting in the driver's seat, and I've got my hands on the wheel. I just have a sense of where the vehicle is, right? Anybody with me? I'm just, I'm just a really good driver is what I'm saying. I'm just really good <laughs> driving. 
and I, I, can, I can whip that thing, and I can look in reverse, and I can check the mirrors and glance at them and think, I know where things are at, and if I don't, I'll get out and check, right? Well, I was so excited to be there at camp. I was excited to get stuff set up. We were there with friends we hadn't seen in a while. And so I pull around to the right, I throw it in reverse, and I back into a trailer. It was Dar Lawson's trailer at Quaker Haven. <laughs> Don't worry, the trailer didn't even move. It's fine. <laughs> but I smashed the right tail light. I tore open our rear panel. And my reaction was just this fountain of audible sounds, like a touch, woof, right? A couple nods there. So I just... Right, I have these sounds because I don't really know what to say. There's nothing to be said. And not only that, I just did this in front of our friends, in front of my wife, in front of my kids. And so I have the sense of embarrassment. I have this sense of annoyance at myself. I have this disappointment in what had just taken place. And so what happens right in life is I crash into my past because I failed to look bad. I can lose my cool. I can lose myself. And I can become a frothing mess of just sounds because I don't know what to do in life because I've failed to look back. Into the point where in disappointment, I can hardly bring my gaze to meet that of my wife because of what I've just done. And in that moment, I didn't really want to look at Jessica in the face. But I did, and her face was... <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and our friends' reactions was, they were stunned, they were uncertain, they're like, I guess we check the damage, like what do we do in this moment? And in real life, it can, it can be like that, right? We're so unwilling at times to look back at what has been, that when we refuse to do that, what we actually do is we run over our family, we run over our friends and our scramble to get away from the wounds, from the pain, the uncertainty the struggles, the reality of what just took place. I'd rather just forget it. I'd rather just move on. I'm just going to keep on keeping on and just deal with it. it it's, it's fine. No matter what took place, it's fine. And I would rather everyone just forget. Let's just move on from the loss. And yet it seems like nobody is willing to do that with me. Everybody, in fact, seems to want to continue to bring it up. And could our response be, I have a vision for this next year. I have a vision for what's ahead. This year's going to be different. And nobody seems to be with me. All you want to talk about is what has been, and all I want to do is forget it. All I want to do is move on, and I can't because you, who I'm supposed to be able to trust, will not let me. And this approach of just moving on while it seems maybe to be helpful, in fact, multiplies the wounds because we are unwilling to heal. We're unwilling to seek it. And this can come from failure to truly assess what life has involved. And so really, if you ask yourself the question of 2023, what really happened this year? Are you willing to even think about that question? there's a lot in this room that's happened in 2023. And so if we go to scripture, so often in life when it comes to wounds or maybe things that we're not proud of that we've done, we can turn to Psalm 25. 
And it says, remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions, O Lord. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Remember not my sins. In fact, God, I'm going to turn to Proverbs 3 and trust in the Lord with my heart. I'm going to not lean on my understanding, God, but I'm going to put my faith in you. So, God, if you would forget my sins, and I'm going to try and trust in you, and then we turn to Nehemiah 13, 14. Remember me, O God, concerning this, and do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for his service. So if we really take those three verses, God, forget what I don't really want you to remember. I'm going to trust in you, and God, would you actually remember the things that I do want you to think about? I remember the good times. That's good. We should do that. But we can't miss out on the other verses too. God, would you, can I come before you and say, God, I have a need, and would you wipe it out? Can we trust him with our heart? I don't know. Do you? Do I? And so as we look back and even reflect on stories and think about the narrative and how God has woven our lives over the last year and even just knowing our people, who are our people? And thinking about this room, thinking about our church family, and maybe not everybody's here. In fact, we know several are not. I think about the healing of bodies and minds that have happened here. I think about the decade birthdays that have been celebrated. There's been businesses bought, homes that are forever homes purchased. There are friendships that are flourishing. There's new marriages, babies. In our house, we get five generations under one roof. That's a lot of life. It's a lot of good. And as we know those things to be true, can we hold in tension that there's also the reality of uncertainties of the body? That we are so intricately woven that when we're sick, our bodies are out of whack. That there's the stress of parenting, strain in marriage, families coming apart, homes that are burnt, spouses and siblings dying, and healings that never come. God, what am I to do? There's these amazing things happening, and there's these rough Terrible things taking place. God, what am I supposed to do with that? What are we supposed to do? If I really reflect on my last year and all that's taken place, and I'm, if I am able to evaluate that, and I'm here now today at 11, 11, that's nice, 11, 11 a.m., <laughs> where am I? And what am I supposed to do from here? Do I just trudge on ahead? Do we just forge a new path? Do we just live in what has been and just go back to the same old, same old? Or is there something stirring in you that maybe God is saying, I've got something different. Perhaps the Lord has something for you. So what do we do with the current reality? And we're going to turn to Pastor Dwight to speak to some of that. Well, first off, I'm got to tell you, I enjoy listening to Andrew. I was ready for him to go another 20 minutes on that. So I, uh, um, but you know, as we kind of get together, as we talk about these things, there's really two things I want to talk to you about this morning. The first one is koinonia. And uh, the second one is Taco Bell. I was just checking to see if you're still listening. And you pass the test. We all know that I'm not going to be talking about Taco Bell because Taco Bell's messy. And anything messy comes from the book of collisions. 
It's in the New Testament, I do promise that, but that's an inside Bible joke, pastor jokes, I tell you. But what I really want to talk to you about this morning is those two concepts of koinonia and another concept called deep and wide. Fountains flowing deep, never mind, that's a whole thing. But as we talk about this this morning, I want to frame it using Galatians chapter 6, verses 2 through 3, which say this. This is Paul. He writes this in the New Testament, that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Now, these are good words that Paul writes, but... The focus of this really comes that we are to bear one another's burdens, that you and I, while we have this this vertical relationship with God, that we also have a horizontal relationship with one another. And that in so doing, that there is kind of this interdependence that we have, and he weaves it together in this word koinonia. Coincidentally, anybody who goes to Taco Bell this week, order the koinonia burrito. I'm just curious what they'll show up with. But that's just a thing. But you and I have to be interdependent with one another, almost interlocked. What koinonia really means is to be interlaced. And as we look at that, this is a place where, yes, as we go through troubling times, that we are with each other. That as we go through uh, um, uh, wonderful times, that we celebrate that too. I mean, who here doesn't like cake? Okay, there's probably two people in this crowd that don't like cake. I'm just doing the odds, but the truth of the matter is we want to continue to celebrate the mountaintops and to also suffer through the valleys, to understand that there is life that happens all around us and that while there may be pain in the pews, you're sitting in a pew with somebody else who's likely gone through that same pain and that our lives are to be interwoven in such a fashion that we lean on each other. When I was going through a lot of classes, trying to learn how to be a pastor, and you can see I failed them all, uh, the one concept that they taught me was to reach up, to reach down, to reach forward, and to reach behind. Now, that's a lot of reaching, and I only got two arms, so how am I supposed to reach four directions, Dwight? Well, here's the deal. When I reach up, I'm looking for a mentor. That means that I found a mentor, somebody who agreed to be a mentor to me, who said, Dwight, I see something in you. And I was like, what? I don't see anything in myself. And he's like, right, but I see something in you. And I praised God for that guy, that godly guy who said, yeah, I'm going to take time to mentor you, uh, just to invest some time in you, just to help build you up. But I'm also going to take time to look at the habits that you have in your life. And I want you to kind of get engaged in some habits that are good. If you Consider a pastor, if you want to be a pastor, there are certain habits that you need to have in your life. And no, I'm not talking about Catholicism habits. That's like a whole nun thing. But the habits that he was talking about was to develop a prayer life, to develop a devotion, to develop time in reading scripture, to continue to develop those things. And so as he taught that, I learned a lot from this mentor. And I learned that iron sharpens iron. And that's the truth. And so we each need to be looking for a mentor. At the same time that I was reaching up, I need to be reaching down, which means that I'm looking for somebody to mentor as well. And so I found a kid that was in my youth ministry, and and I took time to pour into him. And surprise, surprise, 
Years later, he called me up with excitement in his voice saying, Dwight, you're never going to believe this. There's a church that's crazy enough to hire me. Uh, I'm going to be their youth pastor. What next? And I was like, oh boy, now I'm praying. I mean, this is a big deal. But the thing is, as we reach up, we reach down. And again, into that young man, I said, listen, you've got to be engaged in your habits. There's also reaching forward and reaching behind. And as you and I reach forward and reach behind, reaching forward means that I'm looking for others that teach, and I listen to them, or I read them, or I have a podcast that I listen to. But there are ways that I look forward, look out for other teachings that are out there. There's so many good devotional books, and I'm sure, like this morning, I heard somebody here at the church asking for a copy of The Upper Room. That's a great devotion to look forward to, to get engaged in, to read but we need to be engaged in those things. And then the way that we reach behind, the way that we share with others, that means that that can be praying with others. It could be reading scripture with others. Um, it could even be as simple as sharing an app with them. Uh, last week, somebody asked me, they were saying that they were going through some issues, and I kind of said, well, have you ever tried this app? So <clears throat> I'm gonna actually do a shameless plug for an app right now if you have your phone with you, whether it's Android or Apple, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> this app is called Shut Up Devil. I love this app, and here's why. This particular app, you need to put it on your phone. It's absolutely free, so it's a Quaker app. I'm just teasing you about that. But, but <clears throat> it's a free app. It's called Shut Up Devil, and if you are going through any kind of issues, you can go to that app, look up the issue that you're going through, click on it, and up will pop up one page with a scripture verse and then a declaration underneath to make in prayer. And then you can turn that page, and there are six more of them. So there are seven of those for every issue that you can imagine. And it's a fantastic app to have. And I've used it a number of times when I go through things. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm feeling like a little under the weather, maybe a little depressed today. So I click on it. And what do you know? There's a scripture verse right there and a declaration to make in prayer. And so that's how I reach out to, I reach behind me to others to kind of leave a breadcrumb of trail, a trail of breadcrumbs, so to speak, so that others can kind of have a little bit more to, uh, to digest. But the thing is, we all need those things. We need to reach up. We need to reach down. We need to reach forward and we need to reach backwards. We need to reach behind us. There was one lady who, um, I was at a church and it just started out and I was at the ripe old age of 35. Um, and at the ripe old age of 35, this lady says to me, um, first off, it was made known to me that she was 100 years old and that she had just received Christ at 99 years of age. I mean, that's pretty remarkable right there, right? And she comes up to me at 100 years old, she says to a 35-year-old, I am so looking forward to being spiritually mentored by you. And I was like, wait, what? I mean, what are you talking about? And what I learned was physical age and spiritual age are two entirely different things. And if you think for a moment that you are not spiritually mature enough to teach somebody else, you're wrong. Because physical age and spiritual age are two vastly different things. And I loved that relationship with that lady because as she was learning from me, as I was teaching things, I was learning just as much from her. 
And the truth is it happens in that way, in classrooms or in, in uh, churches, in congregations, or in any kind of a setting. We learn, all of us learn. So the next concept I want to talk to you about is deep and wide. Anybody here know a song called Deep and Wide? I'm seeing some nodding of hands and heads and raising of hands. That's great. Everybody here knows Deep and Wide. No, not everybody, but a lot of us know Deep and Wide. And it's a song that would be like, deep and wide, deep and wide, I'm a fountain flowing deep and wide. Ooh, 10 points for the person in the back that did the hand motions. Thank you so much. That's awesome. But here's the thing. Church gatherings on Sunday morning are wide. I mean, we celebrate. And we get together to celebrate. We get together to be uplifted because we are hungry for the celebration. I mean, isn't that wonderful? Aren't you, isn't it just awesome to be a part of a body that's hungry to celebrate? But at the same point in time, if all you do is come on Sunday mornings, you're going to feel like you're missing out on something, you know? I mean, if that's all you do is just come on Sundays and check out afterwards, you're missing out on a lot. And let me tell you what that is. It is the deep beside the wide. When you come into worship, you feel this wide because the growth here at Fairmount Friends this year has been explosive. And we see lots of people, we feel the wideness expanding. And doesn't that feel great? I mean, it really does. But don't worry, I'm not going to hit you over the head if you agree with me, because the truth is, it is good. That's part of church growth. And it's uh, really good. But here's the tricky part. For some of us, you're going to feel as though that's not enough. And you're, you're going to get complacent to just come on Sundays. You're going to feel as though you could just come in and check in once a week because you've got other things going on and you don't want to have too much of this going on, right? But here's the deal. In order to feel the true experience of church, you have to go deeper. Jesus would preach to thousands on the mountainside, but then he would retreat with his disciples. That was 12. And even then, among the 12, he would retreat just him and three others. And that's where he was going deeper. When he got to be life on life with the others. Because after such an encounter where he'd been preaching, he had yet another personal one-on-one encounter with a woman at a well. She asked him about going deep. And here's what happened. Here's what she said in John chapter 4, verse 11. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Man, if there is ever a deep well, it was Jesus. He would be able to kind of point them, point her to that, because she was looking for something deeper. And the same is true here at Fairmount Friends. We have wider, which is Sunday mornings, but we also have deeper, whether it's men's groups, women's groups, Bible studies, Sunday school classes. I don't care what you call it, whatever label you put on it, but it's truly the function behind it because it's to get life on life. It's to get personal. And it's important for us to consider that because let me tell you about the challenge in any size church. 
I've served on a church that had 500 people. I've also been in a church that had 20 people or less. And no matter what the difference is, whether it's 2,000 people or 20 people wide, the challenge is that people still like to hide in the numbers. And the challenge is that the people who check out right after service. And I gotta say, I know there are 168 hours in a week. So why can't we give a little bit more of our life to God? I'm not talking about like coming to the church and cleaning the windows or anything like that. I'm talking about your spiritual growth. And if we figure out that there are 168 hours in a week, how many hours am I dedicating to God? And again, I'm not asking you to like show up here at the church and take down the decorations or anything. But what I am talking about is your own spiritual development. It's important to consider not just going deeper, but how are you going deeper? That's why I talk about small groups, smaller groups of 12 or 10 or three or four. That is where you experience church. You need to plug into those because those are where you grow. Those are where you are going to develop. That's where you go deeper and wider at the same time. Look, there's a way that I love to paint small groups. It is this interconnectedness that happens that you become so close with life on life, you get so hungry for that, that if there were a death in the family and you go to the funeral home and you sit on the front row, if members of your small group sat on that front row with you, nobody in your family would have to explain. Somebody in the back might say, oh, well, they go to church together. And that would be where the power of Christ shines through, that the body of Christ is at work that we are there with one another. And that's important. So we, as we consider koinonia, we also need to consider reaching above us, below us, reaching in front of us, and reaching behind us. That's why as you consider your growth this year personally and as a part of the body of Christ, we need to ask the question, how am I growing deep and wide? How is my growth honoring God? And can I continue to develop my habits, reading more scripture, getting into prayer, devotions, small group, and worship? There's a whole lot here that I haven't touched, but that is the thing, those are the things that we need to consider, right, church? So now to land the plane, I will leave it to Pastor Andrew. So sometimes when those sentiments are shared, I know for me it can land like, well, really what you're saying is you just want me to do more. I've only got so much time. I've only got so much stuff to do, which means I've got a lot of stuff to do. And you want me to do what? You want me to do four more things? Not to mention showing up for Wednesday, 1230, to tear down Christmas decorations? Just a little plug. <laughs> but, but what I hope is the, is the landing spot is that's not what's being asked, is you do more, more, more. And just add more to your plate, and you just do more, and, and oh, they, you got this need too? Okay, I'll do that too, right? Helpful, but not actually healing and life-giving. It's kind of like if we were to do that and just say, do more, do more, do more. It's like, hey, everyone, get on the bus, and then as soon as everybody's on the bus, you slam on the brakes. All your books 
fly on the floor, your head hits the seat in front of you. I've done that a few times. We wait until we have picked up enough stuff to start moving the bus again. We don't even wait for you to get oriented to what has happened. We just say, get the stuff, pick it up, and let's go. Put up the tables, stack the chairs, take down the Christmas decorations, do the stuff. And really what that is is just saying, we have a need. But really what we're getting after is we're inviting you into this life-giving servanthood. And it's not to say, again, I'm not trying to just swing it or twist it and pitch it to say that you come and do the stuff here that you need to do, whatever. But to say that what we're doing is we're giving up all of ourselves. We're giving up our lives for the benefit of the world. We're inviting each other into servanthood to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And if you're a part of our church body, and when I say that, that means that this could be your first Sunday. This could be it's your forever Sunday because you've been here your whole life. I don't know what connectedness you have to our church, but to know that you're a part of what's happening. You're a part of it. It's not because of whoever's up front. It's because we serve a big God who is faithful. And as we have done our best to turn and to serve and be faithful to him, that he would turn his face and shine. That, that we would grow because of that. That we have access to a father who desires to see us live missionally in ways that perhaps we never thought possible or perhaps we never even thought would be a label upon our lives. You ever look back and think, I remember the time I said I'd never be that Christian. I'd never be that thing. I'm never going to have that label. Nobody can ever say that about me. And now it might actually be happening. Can that be an exciting thing? So as Pastor Dwight mentioned, we've talked about some of our church things. And just to pause there for a minute, and then we'll wrap with just a personal focus. You know, as a church, we have, over the last few years, gone from averaging 130 and a half people. I'll be the half. I don't know who else it is. <laughs> to averaging, in 2023, 194. Just since September, our average has been 217. And I don't say that to say, oh, good job, Andrew. Brock, yeah. No, it's to say that we serve an amazing God and that y'all are the ones that are serving him. It's you guys. You're the reason that this church has grown. You're the reason, not that we're here, but that we get to worship together in such a way. I'm not saying that to put a big pat on your back either. I'm just saying, let's be real. Church growth is because you are responding to what God is doing in your life. And what does that look like to turn that into personal life change as well? And even as a church, you know, even as we look at our community, at our county, there are churches that are being forced to close their doors and we are fortunate to have people in the balcony. That we have new people at life groups. That there's the potential for starting new ones as well. That we're looking at as church leadership. How do we equip? How do we empower people into leading? Not just in the church, but in the community. We've received word from different organizations and churches and groups cheering us on and hearing about what's happening here because of you and because of the Lord. Groups like Indiana Yearly Meeting. Northview Church, Child Evangelism Fellowship, Josiah White's Life Center Counseling, Westminster Preschool. Folks want to be part of what's happening here because of what you are doing. So even as we look ahead then, okay, how do we then turn that and put that into our personal perspective for my life? What is the practicality? Okay, if we look back and then we're supposed to do all the four reaches, <laughs> what do we do from here? What do we do? I'm going to go to scripture again. 
I'm going to blend them all together. Proverbs 16, commit your work to the Lord. This is an encouragement to you. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. It doesn't, doesn't say that your, your plans will carry out in the way that you thought. It doesn't say that you plan it, you talk to God about it, and then it's now going to happen this way and he's going to make your plan happen. It says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Philippians 1, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Do we have faith and belief that this to be true? That I have a work that is of his job, that he has given me, and I am sure of this, that he has begun it and he will bring it to completion. Joshua 1, 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do we believe that? That's a promise that he has given. He says, be strong and courageous, for I am with you. Don't be frightened. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. God is with you. It doesn't always look like we think. It's not always miraculous flashes of light. But do we believe that? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So if we commit our work to the Lord... We believe that he is good and that he has begun a good work and he will bring it to completion. Be strong and courageous. Believe that God will be with us and we trust him. He's going to make your path straight. So, what is he putting in you? What is something that's stirred in you? Maybe it's stirred for two minutes. Maybe it's stirred for two years. Maybe it's stirred for two decades. Name it. Speak it. Do it. Maybe he has some healing he wants to do inside of you. Maybe he wants to be the biggest cheerleader you've ever seen in your life. Maybe he wants you to be a part of that healing for someone else, and he wants you to be the biggest cheerer that someone has ever seen in their life. Maybe it looks like inviting someone over once a month to have dinner. Maybe each month we're going to invite a different neighbor over. I don't know. Be creative. Have fun with it. I know for me, something that I committed to and I told a men's group about and then followed through on, uh, I said over the Christmas season, I've got two people in my life that I need to have a conversation with. And I don't fully know what the conversation needs to have yet. I don't need to even know what it's going to include. But I have the sense in me that I need to apologize to them. And I don't know what for. I don't know why. I don't even know fully what it's about. But I know that God's saying you need to go to them and you need to just ask the question hey, can we talk about this? Can we talk about this? I don't know what it even means. I don't even know where it's going to go. I don't have an agenda. But I'm willing to say, God's saying something to me, and can we go do something with it? Can we go from there? Last piece of scripture. 1 Samuel 14, 6 and 7. Starting with verse 6, this is Jonathan, King Saul's son. This is David's best buddy. And Jonathan is in war with his young armor bearer, and they are getting ready to fight the Philistines. And he says, come, let's go over, the outpo- over to the outposts of those uncircumcised men, the Philistines. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Jonathan could have hung back. The battle commanders had a plan of action. They were ready to go and do the thing with the Lord's leading the next day. And he said, perhaps... God could come through in a different way. Perhaps lives could be saved because of my willingness to do something about this. And I'm not talking about in battle. I'm talking about in life. 
Perhaps if we were willing to ask that question or say that thing or come alongside someone, perhaps a life or lives could be saved. There is a reach that y'all have that I will never have. And it's not on me, it's not on Dwight, it's on Derek, it's on Heather, it's on Dennis, or it's on Lucy. We get to be the hands and feet. And he says, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. And his armor bearer reply in verse 7, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Man, if that could be my reply to God sometimes. Go ahead, God, I'm with you. I'm kind of shaking in my boots over here, God, but I'm, I'm with you. And so what if we took that step? Perhaps the Lord would cause a breakthrough to occur if we just took one little step. Perhaps it's just asking a question. Perhaps it's saying that one thing. Perhaps it's nudging that neighbor. Perhaps it's complimenting their Christmas decorations. Perhaps it's whatever. Perhaps something could happen, exciting and amazing, terrifyingly thrilling, if we just said, okay, let's speak it. Let's name it. Let's do something with it. You know, as a church, we've, we've seen we have carpeting. And you haven't seen, but we have 80% new electrical. We've got, thanks Mike, we've got some pews that are going to get redone. We have classroom plans to renovate rooms for our children. We've been fortunate to have mental health and counseling and coaching sessions made available through our church. We have folks saying we want to have preschool and child care needs met with faith-based learning in our community. We've got discipleship with life groups, Sunday school, care for parents, grandparents, singles, widows, children, and families. We've been fortunate to update a lot of our online offerings with our audiovisual. And we're learning to shift the mindset in addition to growing our church to a church that multiplies. And so for you, solely you, as we close here, perhaps there's something that the Lord is saying in you. Please do something with it. Don't stuff it back. Don't ignore it. Be willing to look back. Don't run into a trailer. But instead, do something with it. Right? We get to do this thing. We get to. And the fact that we get to do it in America is an amazing blessing. And let's not just cast it aside or say, let's forget about it and just charge on. Let's live and live together. Let's pray. Father, as we are here and we're wrapping our time together to know that this has been a time of, of wideness and maybe some depth but to move forward with the pursuit of others, to not just settle for what has been. Maybe there's things in life, God, that you're saying that we need to prune and trim away. Maybe there's things in life that you've been stirring in us to, to speak or to do, and we just haven't had the margin or we just don't even know what to do with it. But God, would we charge forward with fear and trembling, that we would have courage and pursue and believe that you are starting a good work and that you will bring it to completion, that we can trust in you and we can lean into what you're doing and to believe that you are good and that you would have something not just for us, but because of our responsiveness and our belief and obedience to you. God, as we move as a church family, we're grateful that you have us to be growing. And whether we grow another person or we stay where we're at, or even if we decrease, God, that we would worship and glorify you. And that we are seeking and following how you would have us serve and come alongside our community, our neighbor, our family, and you. We praise you, Lord. We're grateful. Amen.
So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.